Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Make sure you call your mom today. I texted mine yesterday, so I wouldn't have to do it today. But she's in Ireland right now, so it was ahead of time, so it was good. Um, but I do want to remind us, as people around the world are celebrating moms today, I want to remind us that we, we get to celebrate more than just our moms and giving them flowers or giving them cards or letting them have the day off. We actually get to celebrate the creator of women, the one who wonderfully designed women to image him in a very unique way, a way that men could not do on their own, not so that we would worship women or so that we would worship our moms or put our hope in them, but that we would worship God and see him for his amazing beauty. Because the good news of the gospel really is that now we've been restored and regardless of whether you had a great mom or a mom that imaged God poorly to you or if you're a woman that desires to be a mom or if you have children or if you don't have children or if you're single or if you're married, the good news is that we are a part of a new family where God has orchestrated and graciously orchestrated all things in our lives so that he would reveal himself to us and that we get to feel his loving arms close around us just as we just sang. And so the truth is, really, God has blessed us in many, many ways. And one of the ways that God blesses humans is by giving each other to us. And as I look around this room, I think God has actually greatly blessed this family with amazing women. Women in all areas and all stages of life. Women who shepherd and care for us and mother us and love us and point us to Jesus in unique ways. And that's God's grace. That's God's grace that we get to celebrate those things today. And we probably don't say this enough, but we are truly blessed by the women that are a part of this family. And we want to thank God for for the ladies that are a part of, of this family and thank you for imaging Jesus to us. And I think one of the best ways that we can do that and even encourage each other this morning is through prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer in Proverbs today. And so I want to just stop for a few minutes. And rather than me just praying for the women in this family, I want to ask a few of you if you would pray um, for the women in this family and maybe mothers that have cared for you and showed Jesus to you and imaged God to you. And then, um, then I'll close and then we'll, we'll jump into Proverbs. So if we want to just take a minute or two to do that. And so... Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I just thank you that we get to gather here today. God, and thank you for the opportunity to know you and to worship a living and active God. And Lord, we praise you. Um, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God. And you, from the beginning of time, had a beautiful plan and purpose for um, the woman, the female God, that your characteristics are shown um, through women and females, so um, intricately and um, creatively, God, and we thank you for the love that is shown through women, God. I just lift up um, the women in this body, God, and um, ask that they get to love you more intimately, God, and grow in an intimacy with you, God, that they know that they are loved beyond all measure, God, that they are daughters of the King, God. They are precious in your sight. They are beautiful, God. And that you have um, known them since the beginning of time, God. Lord, I lift up um, our mothers in this body to you, God. I just pray that you will feel loved and appreciated, God. Thank you for um, just their work day in and day out, um, 
Thank you for all the mother-like women in our lives, the, the neighbors and the coaches and the Sunday school teachers and the Girl Scout <laughs> troop leaders and um, the music teachers and, and just all of the women that through our lives and, in, and when no one's looking are caring and nurturing and praying, God, um, and making meals. Um, because that is your heart, that your people would know they are loved and that the intricate details matter. Um, so we thank you for, and I, I'm full of gratitude for all of the mother-like women, Father God, that um, often don't have a chance to be celebrated, Father. We thank you for their, um, for their hearts and their service um, and the ways that they image you.
Father, thank you that you have uniquely gifted uh, this world um, by imaging yourself through women. So, Father, I thank you for that grace. I thank you for uh, the many women that you have blessed us with in this family. Father, I pray that you would encourage their hearts. Pray that they would find their truth and their identity in you and not how well they care for others or how well they mother or whether they have children or not. Father, I pray that they would find their truth and their identity in what you say about them and how you've defined them. Father, we thank you that we get to see Jesus um, through others. Father, I pray that you would encourage the hearts of many and that you would point us um, through your spirit to see you more and more each day. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So about three weeks ago, we started a series, not th- about three weeks ago, exactly three weeks ago, we started a series on um, the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about wisdom. And today we want to talk about wisdom of the wisdom of prayer. And I think this is actually a very fitting topic to talk about on Mother's Day, because probably one of the most powerful things you can do as a mom is actually pray. It's probably more powerful than training your kids, more powerful than being there for your kids or protecting them or whatever it is. One of the most important things you can do is pray. Now, if you look at the book of Proverbs and you do kind of a search on the word prayer in Proverbs, you're going to find that there's only three Proverbs that actually specifically talk about prayer. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot out of the multitude of Proverbs that are in this book. Um, but what I want us to see today is that prayer is actually directly connected to wisdom. If you remember back to the very first week um, we shared, and we looked at uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It'll be on the screen or you can open up your 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 own Bibles. Um, Chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we said that fearing the Lord is not being afraid of Him or or cowering in a corner, but rather it's humble submission. It's a a sober view of self. It's it's seeing Him as God. It's, It's honoring Him. It's giving reverence to Him. It's respecting Him. It's actually putting God in the proper place. It means that, that he's at the center of life and that he's in charge of everything and that really that his opinion matters most on every subject. So wisdom then is not really the smartest thing to do. Wisdom is the submitted thing to do. Wisdom is really the ability to, to navigate the course of life successfully by putting God at the center and saying, God, whatever you say on this subject That's what I'm going to live out, and that's going to affect my life. Proverbs also talks about the opposite of wisdom as foolishness. It says, really, the wise respond in a a life of humble submission, and the fools respond with a life of rejection and a life of self-reliance. The fool really says, I've heard, I've seen enough. I don't need God. I don't want to submit to him. I don't fear the Lord. I don't respect him. He's not over every area of my life. I'm going to do what I think is best. I'm going to do whatever I want. I want to warn us, that's the path of foolishness. If we continue to reject God's authority in some area of our life, even if it's a little area or some small little things that we want to think it that way, what you're actually doing with your life is you're screaming, at least in that area in your life, there is no God. I am God. And that's the life of a fool. And so Proverbs talks about the two different pieces of that, the the life of the wise and the life of the fool. 
And so if, if fearing God is, is wisdom and putting Him at the center is wisdom, I want to say this morning that prayer is actually the posture of the wise. That prayer is the posture of the wise. If you flip over to Proverbs 15.8, it says this, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. So why is it acceptable to him? Why is prayer of the righteous acceptable to God? Because prayer is actually a sacrifice of the heart. Prayer is really realigning one's heart and recognition of who's actually in control and total dependence of your need for him in life. I like how the author, um, Matthew Slick, writes this. There's many people have defined prayer, but I like how he um, defines this. It says this, Prayer is the practice of the presence of God. It's the place where pride is abandoned, hope is lifted, and supplication is made. Prayer is the place of abandoning our need and of adopting humility and claiming dependence upon God. Prayer is the exercise of faith and hope, and prayer is the privilege of touching the heart of the Father through the Son of God, Jesus our Lord. You see, as you think through this idea of what prayer is, prayer is more than just talking to God. I think what prayer is is actually walking in the fear of the Lord. It's what the fear of the Lord looks like in the human form practically lived out. If you fast forward to the New Testament in Colossians 4, 2, it says this. It says, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. The Greek word here for devoted really is the idea of dedicated for a task, appointed to it. So as followers of God, that means that we are designated, we're appointed to take action and actually press into the task of prayer. It's the idea that we're not just, just people of God that were designed by God, but we're people called to be of prayer and to give ourselves to it. I think as you look through all of Scripture, as you look through the story of God, we'll see that a life devoted to prayer is actually the wise way to live. And it's the way that God designed us to live. Before the fall, Adam and Eve, they live a life of wisdom in open dialogue with God. When they get into trouble is when they begin to do things on their own. Basically, in foolishness, they believed, I can decide now how to handle a situation rather than communicating with God about it. And Satan comes along, and what does Satan say? He says, you can have wisdom apart from God. You can have the ability to do life without asking God's opinion on it. You can make the decision yourself. The reality is, God's opinion really doesn't matter. If God's opinion doesn't matter, why do we then need to communicate with Him? And as as, they, as you know, they chose the way of the fool. They chose to go about life without asking God what is best. And as we know it, life was lost. Communication with God was broken. The presence of God was removed. And ever since then, humans have been struggling to do life without God's opinion speaking into every decision and every subject matter. And so what Proverbs is telling us is saying the way of the wise is returning to God's presence through prayer. And what Paul is expanding on now is saying because of Jesus, the way of the wise is actually possible. You've been restored because of the gospel and the good news is that broken relationship with God has now been mended and death 
through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and now you get to once again live in constant communication with God. You get to walk in the presence of God. You get to be devoted in prayer, and you get to pray continually so that God would restore you back to the pre-fall state, because that's what he's done through the gospel. It's your new identity now. And so praying and communicating with God is not something that you have to do or something like, oh, I just have to have some discipline in this. Now it's, it's actually you get to do that. You get to now ask God's opinion for every subject matter. You get to actually now live wisely with his opinion mattering most because that's who you are in Christ. It's who you've been redeemed to be. The gospel has changed our norm. The new norm of life is a life devoted to prayer. Being devoted to prayer is actually a new pattern and it's the way of the wise. The other side of this is true as well, right? If we don't live in this identity of who we truly are now, what we're actually saying with our lives is, God, I've got this. I can figure it out without you. I only need to pray to you and talk to you for big things. Maybe like, it was really good when I prayed to you and asked for salvation, or maybe when things don't go my way, but really your opinion doesn't matter on all the other stuff that's going on in my life. That's the life of a fool. That's the life of a fool. That's why I said, prayer is the posture of the wise. When we pray, it actually is demonstrating at a heart-level recognition of the positional reality of God's sovereignty and our dependence on Him. Sovereignty means that God is in control of all things, that nothing escapes his notice, that nothing happens that he doesn't know about, that he's the one that actually keeps the earth spinning, that, that, that he's never surprised and say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Everything that takes place in life, in your life and my life, happens for a purpose, and God's sovereignty is over those things. He is showing us his power and his control and how much he loves and cares for us in the midst of those things. And when we pray, we get to remind our hearts of the truth, of the reality of who He really is and who we are. That we don't, we, that when we don't, we actually, we get to actually remind our hearts that, that He's the one that's in control. And when we don't, when we go through a day when we're not praying, when we're not constantly talking to Him, we're relying on our own wisdom instead. And how we live those things is going to get displayed in our life to other people, which is good news and bad news, right? You see, when we're not people of prayer, we're saying with our lives um, that the gospel really is just something in my past. It's something in my past that's got some future ramification. The gospel is just really just for my justification. It's just making me right with God. Not that I actually need God to change the very essence of who I am every day and that I need God to speak into every moment of life. When we're not doing that, when we're not praying, we're, we're actually believing a lie that we don't need God to change us or to mold us moment by moment and so that we would actually see the gospel as something for our sanctification as well. See, a life without prayer and without being devoted to prayer is screaming at God, I've got this. I've got this. I don't know if you've ever had a kid that's told you that as a mom. I've had it as a dad. I've got this. And I'm like, I don't think you really do. You have no idea what you're talking about. But that's what we do with God all the time. 
Proverbs 15.29 tells us this. It says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. That word wicked we can also swap out for foolish. The Lord is far from the foolish, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Why does God hear the prayers of the righteous? Because the righteous are always portrayed as those whose hearts are properly in line with God. Really, at the core of Proverbs, you're going to find a lot of emphasis on what is going on in the heart. Proverbs 4.20 says this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Proverbs is going to talk a lot about the heart over and over and over again. And when he says keep it in your sight here, the Bible's not just saying look at them. It means keeping them in the forefront of your mind, in the being, keeping them before you always. It's this same idea that we see Paul bring in in Colossians that says be devoted to prayer. There's really this direct correlation between being in communication with God and his wisdom and how we live life. There's something about these words of wisdom that when they become part of your inner being, they bring out transformation and they bring out change in your life. They bring healing into the brokenness of your life and in your story. They're life-changing peace and understanding regardless of one's circumstances. See, prayer is not just some religious practice that we put into place. Right? Like, yes, we're called to pray, but, but prayer is not just like, I need, to, I need to try harder to pray more. That's not what we're talking about here. We're, the good news of the gospel is that you get a whole new life and you get a whole new heart because you need one, because yours is not okay. That you and I are actually our own problem. And when we pray, what we're doing is we're realigning our hearts with the truth of that. Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from sin. The answer to that question is no one. No one can say, I've made my heart clean. And so what needs to happen is we need to have our hearts changed. We need to have Jesus come in and do the work for us, the work that we cannot do. We sang that earlier in the songs, that Jesus is the only one that could do what he did. See, if we're going to have a life that God created us to have, we're going to have to actually have God change us to be the people that he's created us to be. You see, if we just use flesh management to control ourselves, it's either going to turn into pride or self-hatred. We get really proud that, hey, you know, like I woke up this morning and I had a good prayer time and like I did a good job. Or like I feel bad because I haven't communicated with God. See, you don't, you don't get a new heart, you actually have a new sin problem when that happens. And all you've done is really moved your confidence into what you used to do to what you do now. And you're still not actually worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself or you're worshiping some new method that helped you in a way to cause some small external change. The reality is that we all need wisdom. We all have areas of our lives where we're saying, God, I don't fear you. I don't respect you. I don't need you to to answer these things. I can make the call myself. And just like Adam and Eve, um, when it says in Genesis 6 that, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was desirable for gaining wisdom, 
we think that we can gain wisdom on our own. And we say, just like Adam and Eve, we can manage wisdom apart from God. I don't need God to tell me what to do. And that's a huge mountain for us to get over. I know it's a huge mountain for me that I often think I'm the best person to figure it out. I don't know if there's any best person to figure outs in here, but like I'm one of them. I can figure it out better than anyone else. And I can figure it out before I ever ask God about it. But the reality is, I am not, and you're not either. Yet often we think we are. And we end up repeating the same sinful error that Adam and Eve made in the garden that says we can figure it out without actually communicating with God about it. I can do what is right in my own eyes. I know that's kind of heavy, but here's the good news, right? The good news is that actually wisdom cries out. Wisdom can actually redeem the foolish person that says there is no God. And wisdom cries out most loudly through the person of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says this, that Jesus is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. God said, I want everything I want to speak about myself, I'm going to do it through the person of Jesus. And the Bible says that he not only did what the Father told him, but he actually lived a life in full submission, really in fear of the Lord, in perfect wisdom. You see, if you want to look and see what a a wise life looks like, you look at Jesus. While Jesus walked on this earth, what do we see him do? We see him in constant communication with the Father. We see him often spending hours and times in prayer all day long. And as Jesus speaks, he makes it very clear that our hearts need change. And apart from him, our hearts are in trouble. The only hope that you and I have to actually live a life of submission is actually to have him change us. And amazingly, Jesus, the one who speaks wisdom, who is wisdom, who holds the world together, went to the cross in the way of a fool. And even though he was the wise one, he became the fool. Why? So that you and I could actually be wise. And that's really good news. As we go through this study of Proverbs, I don't want you to see this as another yoke of slavery. Like, I just have to work right now. I have to rest right now. I have to pray right now. Next week we're going to talk about money. I have to deal with money right now. We're going to talk about parenting. I have to parent right now. Like, I'm not going to be be foolish. I'm going to be wise. That's not the goal. The goal of Proverbs is actually for you to realize that you and I are in need need of a heart transplant. One that only God can perform. And the good news is at the cross, Jesus became the ultimate fool so that you and I could become wise. And at the resurrection, the wise one showed us that he actually has the power to give us a new heart. And then at a stroke of ultimate wisdom, Jesus, the wisest man, as he returns to heaven, he sends his spirit to live inside of you and me so that we could actually live a life walking in the fear of the Lord and that we could actually have a life where it's possible to rely on him and it's possible to live in wisdom because the spirit now lives inside of you and me and guides us. And can I tell you, that's really good news for my heart. 
Wisdom cries out to us minute by minute, moment by moment through the life of Jesus and through the death of Jesus and through the resurrection of of Jesus and through his spirit right now. And we get to now assume through prayer the posture of the wise. We get through to pray and realign our hearts with the wisdom of God so that we might walk in the way of the wise and that we might actually navigate the path of life so that we could then not just have a smart life, but that we would actually live lives that actually reflect the wisdom of God, that actually reflect the God who created us and designed us to reflect him in the first place. You see, the gospel, because of the gospel, prayer changes from mere petitions or just sweet relationship um, to actually walking in the cool of the day as children holding the hands of our Father, experiencing the pleasures of our sonship and our daughtership, if that's a word, um, in complete contentment, knowing that we are safe and secure and loved and ultimately for because the wise one became the fool so that you and I could then actually be back in the presence of God. And as we pray, we get to experience the presence of God on a very practical way, in a very human way. And we get to actually image God to others that way too. Because the life of prayer is going to change how you live. And so when we pray, it's not just something that's just for you and your personal relationship with God. And we practice the presence of God. It changes the way we live and others get to see God and get to give him more glory for the things that he's actually worthy of. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to head to communion and we're going to be reminded that of what Jesus actually did for us. So Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that... You continue to pursue us. We thank you that your spirit indwells us and calls us to be people that would be back in constant communication with you. Father, we thank you that we get to be in your presence, that we are no longer removed from your presence, but because of Jesus' work on the cross and because of his resurrection, we get to have new life and we get to have a life where your opinion actually matters the most. Father, I pray that you would Remind us that you would call us, that you would equip us to see the areas of life where we're not walking in that truth, where we're still continuing to live the life of a fool, thinking that we don't need your opinion to speak into those things. Father, I pray that as a church you would make us a people of prayer. Father, we pray that you would remind us as we pray of your deep love for us that you would call us into your truth and that you would change this city because of it. Father, we know that there is nothing we can do to change anyone's heart. We can't convince them. We can't live out a life that's good before them without you. We need you to change people. We need you to change this city. And Father, we ask that you would do that work, not for our behalf, but for yours, so that people would get to see how good and gracious and glorious you actually are. So, Father, we thank you this morning um, that we get to celebrate that truth. Pray that you would change our hearts so that we would desire to be in constant communication with you so that we would actually see prayer as the way of the wise and that we would live lives that are actually submitted to you in the fear of you and that we would walk in reverence of you each day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.